right. I am recording. I am recording too. You want to go ahead and read something? I'm going to read the thing. It was supposed to be the crown jewel of the richest corporation ever to exist on the planet, the Dutch East India Company. It was captained by a steady, if stuffy and standoffish captain, and had a hold full of silver coins and treasures for trade and gifts. The Batavia was wrecked on a shoal of reefs off the coast of Australia on her maiden voyage, but there, the natural part of this episode's disaster ends. What followed was human nature taken to its horrible extreme, as abandonment, mutiny, violence, and horror overtook the survivors. This is the story of the only voyage of the Batavia. Welcome to Relative Disasters, the show where my sister and I manage our existential dread by talking about terrible and interesting historical events, their context, implications, and any related sidebars we feel like discussing. I'm Greg, chair of the Maritime Justice Department here at Relative Disasters University. And I'm his sister Ella, coordinator of shipwreck logistics here at Relative Disasters Corporation. Thank you so much for that horrifying story, Greg. Yeah. Um, Love a shipwreck. Yeah. Two for the price of one disaster here today, because not only do we get a shipwreck, but we also get uh, one of the worst mutinies ever, if not the worst mutiny ever. In history, uh, this is this is a, a rough, rough. This is a bit of rough going here. So there's a lot of blood. There's a lot of dead people in this one. There's a lot of evil. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of senseless violence and death. And, you know, this is, you know, that saying of like human nature really reveals itself in crisis. You know, there's the people who band together and elevate everyone else around them. And then there are the people who just light everything on fire. Yeah. So. Uh, first of all, the Batavia itself. So the Batavia was named after the capital of the Dutch East India Company. That's right. The company was so big, it had a capital. Yeah, they did. Its capital is modern-day Jakarta in Indonesia. Um, but back then it was called Batavia. And so they named their flagship the Batavia. It was an East Indiaman class and type full-rigged ship capable of five knots armed with 24 cast iron cannons. Uh, it was built in Amsterdam in 1628, and it left Tessel in the Netherlands for the Dutch East Indies uh, on October 27th of 1628. Uh, its mission was to sail down to the Dutch East Indies, use the massive amounts of silver coins in its hold, to buy spices, and then swing up to the Mughal court in India, mm. where they would trade a whole bunch of cool stuff and get a whole bunch of cool stuff back, and generally make an awful lot of money. That is the goal that of the East the India Company, East company, company at all times. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Tons of money coming in. So at this point, uh, we are going to introduce our dramatis personae, the, the five sort of main people on this Ship. So its captain is senior merchant Francisco Pelsert. He's Dutch. He was in his mid-30s at the time. A lot of the people under him considered him sort of strict, and my favorite description of him is unlikable but not unpleasant. So it's like... He, That's he, a fine line. I mean, go is. Captain Pelsert. That's a line that I try to tread most <laughs> days, and... 
I don't always make it, so good for him. Yeah, good on him. He he rides that line of, of unapproachable, I think, is what that would, would be like. <laughs> don't mess with me, but also I'm not going to kill you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and the people under his command, it's weird. They didn't exactly like him, but they also weren't chomping at the bit to toss him <laughs> overboard. So, he, you know, he's sort of in, in this story. He basically comes across as fairly ineffectual, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, During the most of the voyage of the Batavia, he stays in his cabin. He just kind of hangs out in his cabin. Leaving the day-to-day of the ship to his skipper, Arian Jakobsch. Now, (laughs) Jakobsch and Pelsert do not like each other. Uh, On a previous Mm. encounter, Jakobsch had gotten publicly drunk and insulted Pelsert. Uh, whereupon he was reminded that he was insulting somebody who outranked him, and uh, Pelsert gave him a very public, very humiliating dressing down, hmm. uh, which led to a grudge. It led to a grudge, but the grudge, you know, was sort of unspoken. Uh, Pelsert, for his part, considered the matter settled. Jakobsch, for his part, kind of wanted a bit Festered. of revenge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Our next main person here is Viba Hayas, and Viba Hayas is great. Uh, He is, at this point, a young soldier. He's anywhere from 19 to 20 years old. He's employed by the Dutch East India Company. Not only do they have their own capital, they have their own army. Yep. And he is going to ride on the Batavia to Batavia, for a five-year stint in the city's garrison. He's kind of a sturdy guy. Like, he seems like someone who's reliable and He is together. level-headed. He's good-natured. The people who work with him like him. The people who don't work with him wish they were working with him. He's basically awesome. According to all accounts, he seems like a decent, decent dude. All right. Our next person is Lucretia Jans. So Lucretia Jans is from Amsterdam. She just recently lost her husband in 1629 and remarried to a sergeant in the Dutch East India Company's army. Mm -hmm. So she is on the Batavia to go join her husband in Batavia. I feel like we should mention she is a celebrated beauty. She is. She is. She is the Angelina Jolie of this voyage. I would say even more. Like she, she's yeah. almost the Helen of Troy of this voyage. Like all the people Whoa. who describe her are like, she is the most beautiful woman ever. And all other women pale in comparison. And I'm like, you're laying it on kind of thick. <laughs> but apparently no. Apparently she was a very, very beautiful woman. Good for her. Yeah, it doesn't serve It's hard well. to be beautiful in these days. We don't have dentists. We don't yep. have shapewear. Yep. True. True. She's working it. She's getting there. Uh, but unfortunately for her, it will also make her a target of our final person, Geronimus Cornelius. I assume I'm pronouncing none of these names right, but that's how I'm going to say his name. Cornelish, maybe? To be honest, he's a psychopath and a total... He is. Oh, yes. Uh, he doesn't deserve person, to have his name pronounced so correctly. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't really lose any sleep. I'm not. Yeah. So, Geronimus Corne- Cornelish, 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 whatever. Cornelius. It's Cornelius? Okay. Geronimus Cornelius, as my sister said, is a psychopath. And total. he has been a nut job for years. He was born in the Netherlands mm-hmm. and uh, he was, his family 
had links to some of the more militant Anabaptist movements at the time, yep. which were around in the Dutch Republic during this time. And uh, he was well-educated, and he followed in his father's footsteps, becoming an apothecary. He had to uh, leave that job of an apothecary almost as soon as he got it, because the town council basically hated him and kicked him out. Uh, so okay, in fairness, he was a psychopath. You do not exactly. want a psychopath mixing your medicine. No. You don't want him attending your sick kids. Yeah, you don't I, want I mean, him, and at this point, when quote, we unquote, use... unquote, helping you out. Exactly. Uh, when we use yeah. the term apothecary, it's not the modern chemist version of the apothecary. This is... this. He's basically a, f a physician, a surgeon, a barber. He's, he's the guy you see if there's anything wrong or you need anything cut off. That's him. Right. And you don't... You definitely don't want him you don't because he's going to take self. a lot of pleasure in pulling your teeth and chopping your arm off exactly. and you don't want that you, don't need you want someone who's a little detached or might give you some bourbon first <laughs> so he moves away. now we're aiming for the stars <laughs> so he moves away from that small town and uh, goes to the dutch city of Haarlem, where he becomes uh, a a doctor an apothecary in the center of town and then <laughs> he and his wife have a son and then the son dies at about three months old of syphilis. Mm -hmm. So that and who did he get the doesn't from, reflect Greg? well on Cornelius. <laughs> he actually it does blames... kind of explain a lot, though. Well, if well, you think about it. it, it does and it doesn't because yes, uh, syphilis, late stage syphilis, can lead to psychopathic behavior, but he's not exhibiting any symptoms of syphilis. In fact, when his son dies of it. He seeks legal action against the child's wet nurse Ooh. to prove that the child died because of the wet nurse and not from his own wife. Uh -huh. But then, you know, his reputation is ruined. Cornelius sells everything off and he travels to Amsterdam, basically leaving his wife. She's better off. She is. She dodged a bullet there. Uh, he, he runs away to Amsterdam and signs on to the Dutch East India Company where he is posted for Batavia, which is sailing to Batavia, mm -hmm. because they need a ship's doctor. You need somebody to keep uh, shipboard epidemics down. You need people to remind everybody to, you know, eat your fruits so you don't get scurvy. I just, what were their hiring practices like? <laughs> you, are you an apothecary? You're in. <laughs> How did they look at it. someone like Geronimus Cornelius and were like, you are the man you're for fine. this job, yeah, sir. You're probably fine. I want you on my tiny boat attending 300 of my people. So, yeah. So here's the deal. The Batavia has about 340 people on it. And immediately Cornelius buddies up with Arian Jakobsch the skipper of the Batavia, the one who has a pre-existing grudge against Pelsert. And keep in mind, okay, this is Cornelius's first voyage with the Dutch East India Company. And he starts plotting a mutiny. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to waste time is what I'm saying. When you have syphilis and you're the age that he is, you know you only have a few years to really wreak some havoc. So, so. he's... he's Good for him. Yeah. He's on it. He just immediately jumps on. Yep. However, things are a little complicated by the fact that you have Viba Hayes and his 70 other soldiers on board. Mm -hmm. So Jakobsch and Cornelius conceive a plan to try to take the ship. As you do. What they want to do is 
use the money that's on board and establish like a kingdom of their own okay uh okay but that's not their money no but it is if they take it from everybody else you see how this works it's the transference of property principle here i just don't I don't understand how you could look at a company like the Dutch East India Company and be like, yeah. these guys are going to be fine. These guys are, yeah, it's just one ship. Silver. They're not going to care. They're not going to care. It's so, brand new. So it's full of people. Their brilliant plan is to, um, is to, <laughs> is to basically try to turn the Batavia, again, flagship of the fleet, very recognizable, everybody knows about it, mm-hmm. into a pirate ship. Sure. And establish a pirate kingdom on one of the islands in the Indies. So. Right. You got your venture capital, you got your real estate, you've got a starter crew. Yep. I mean, yep. what could possibly go wrong? So they start gathering acolytes, okay? And what they their first move, I mean, this this should this should really drive home. These are horrible people. This is not mm-hmm. one of those like Oh, it's going to be a pirate ship. Pirates are fun. These are horrible, horrible. <laughs> Pirates are people. not fun. No. How do you not know this? Pirates by are this definitely point in our not podcast? fun. Pirates are not. Fun. Pirates are, are are in a bad way ninety percent of the time. So okay. here's what they do: they want to start an incident that will spark a mutiny. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they sexually assault Lucretia Jans. Yep. Yep. That's their plan. So they attack her, and I just, I, she's a means to I, an end here. They're not trying to, like, attack her for the sake of attacking her. They're trying to provoke Captain Pelsert into issuing harsh discipline to the crew, which will mm-hmm. they can then spin as, oh, my God, that's so unfair, and then the people will join us. Yeah, so this doesn't work at all. I feel like there are a lot of other ways that you could go about starting a mutiny. Yes. Like, oh, there are be... plenty of other ways. They just choose the most horrible one, right? Like, right. This is okay. who these people are. Uh, and and just... Jakob and Cornelius are just smart enough to not do it themselves. Okay. They have mm. two of their. I mean, that's kind of a theme, isn't it? So they have two of their people attack Lucretia Jans, and the whole thing backfires. Because she's able to identify the people who attack her, and Pelsart disciplines them, so the entire point of doing any of this was pointless, as with most of the things these idiots do. Completely pointless. And then they hit on their second plan. And their second plan is better than their first plan, you see. Their second plan. We're setting the bar real low with that. Yes. Oh, God, yes. Their second plan Mm -hmm. is to cause a shipwreck. Now, right. hang on, because <laughs> I can hear you going, that sounds stupid, and it is. So their second plan is to cause a shipwreck and then take control in the aftermath of the shipwreck, hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, accidentally having the captain killed in the shipwreck or something, you know, things happen in shipwrecks. Anything can happen, yeah. And then with this ship wrecked, the Dutch East India Company will send a rescue ship... And we'll take over that ship and turn it into a pirate ship. That's going to be the pirate ship. Okay. Because yeah. yeah. now the other ship is ruined. Right. Exactly. Right. Okay. So this is they're their, their three grand moves plan. ahead here. Okay. Yeah. This is such a bad idea. Like, I, <laughs> I just wish I could have sat in on one of these planning sessions. And right. Like, you know what? Just be like, I have questions. 
I feel like we can accomplish this. In uh, a different sir, way. when we wreck the ship, what if I die? I don't want that, sir. Where are the life jackets? Yep. Okay. Where are we wrecking this ship? Okay. So on the night of June third, uh, sixteen twenty-nine, uh, they have left the Cape of Good Hope where they'd stopped for supplies, and Jacob puts the the first part of the plan into motion. He steers the ship off course. So they're supposed to sort of go around the Cape of Good Hope, up and out into the Indies, and instead they start heading southward, sort of a Well, also, they're supposed to be traveling with buddies. Yes. Like, you don't send your treasure ship out alone. No. There are five other ships with them. And then when the sun dawns the next morning, the other four are looking around going, where the heck did the Batavia go? Did we lose that treasure ship again? Guys, guys, that's the ship with all the money on it. Guys! (laughs) Anyway. I keep counting, and I'm only getting to four. What's going on? Well, are you counting us twice? No. All right. So, <laughs> so the Batavia is headed, unbeknownst to anybody else on, on the ship, towards mm-hmm. Australia. Yes. We love and Australia. again, Captain Pelsert, still in his cabin. Still oh. in his cabin. Does not come out to check. Does not come out to He's look around journaling. and go, where are the other four ships? No. He's getting in touch with his feelings. He's catching up on his shows. He's got a lot going on, Frank. <laughs> He's got Netflix in his cabin. He's just scrolling through. We need to give him some room. Okay. So. Got a lot of pressure. So, on uh, on the night of June 3rd, the Batavia is running under full sail. They're just like going straight towards Australia. Yeah, pretty much. They they basically they basically turned and are just full speed ahead, headed for Australia. Now they know that there's a continent there, right? They know that there's a landmass. They this is okay. this is pre-landing Australia. Okay, this is certainly pre-colonization. The only people living in Australia right now are the Aboriginal peoples mm-hmm. of Australia. Right. So this is this is sort of undiscovered country for them. They have not mapped okay. this. They know that there's a landmass down there somewhere, but since there's nobody to trade with, Dutch East India Company doesn't care. Right. No money, no visits. Okay, so on the night of June 3rd, 1629, the Batavia is running under full sail, full speed ahead, and the lookout is like, um, there's something in the water up ahead, and he warns the skipper. So Arian Jakobs looks out and he's like, nah, it's fine. It's just a reflection of the moon. (laughs) All good here. All good here. And the Batavia runs aground going at full speed on a coral reef. Oh, gosh. Ending up near the Wallaby group of islands of Australia. Yikes. A ship running at five knots that slams into a coral reef. Uh, the first thing that happens, especially a ship of this build, is that the bottom of the ship is just going to get ripped open. So I feel like we should say it's also really bad for the coral. Like this is not absolutely act. no. This Those is terrible for the devastated. coral. Devastated. It may be worse, harder on the coral than anyone else. Okay, go ahead. Well, okay. Um, yes, the coral is definitely negatively affected by this. But again, because they didn't leave a written record, the coral. We simply don't have their side of the story. Yeah, the coral did not. We don't have the coral diaries. Nope, we don't okay. have we okay. do, the coral. Hi- I believe they wrote in hieroglyphics, but they didn't. This anyway. we have to start with uh, the facts that we know, exactly. which is that the boat crashed. Okay. And so the bottom of the Batavia gets ripped open. It starts taking on water. Uh, they start trying to patch up 
the the bottom of the boat they are unsuccessful mm. and the boat breaks up and this is the middle of the night it's hard to tell Correct. exactly when this happened it was either just before or like two hours after midnight so we're either uh, talking like deep in the gloaming or just after pretty much everybody's like nicely sound asleep and in their REM cycles. That's the worst time for a shipwreck, I feel. It's not okay. great. So give it me a strikes, morning shipwreck. Yes, give us a good morning shipwreck. Uh, after breakfast. So it strikes uh, what's nowadays called Morning Reef near mm-hmm. Beacon Island, which is part of the Houtman Abralhos off of the Western Australian coast. And it's bad. Mm. Of the people aboard, about 40 people are dragged down and drowned with the ship. Mm-hmm. More than 200, though, do survive. A lot of people clinging to driftwood. A lot of people get rounded up uh, in the ship's longboat, captained by Pelsert, who mm-hmm. goes around dragging people out of the water and getting them to uh, shore and then heading back out in the longboat to grab more people. So he does a good job Aww. there. Good captain. Uh, they also employ the yawl, which is like a small, sort of like a long, thin rowboat, I guess would be mm-hmm. a good way to describe it. Mini-boat. Um, yeah. And and that goes out and grabs people. So they get, they get a bunch of people aboard mm-hmm. and safe to what is now Beacon Island. There's over 200 people there, but they have no supplies. They have no mm. fresh water. So the first thing that Pelsert does is he organizes these survivors into groups and he starts sending groups out to look for different things. Uh, they need a natural water source, they need some way to construct shelter, and they need they need food. Yeah, something to munch on. So they do notice that these soldiers had rallied to Viba Hayes. So he does not outrank anybody. Um, he's just a regular, like, if he were in the army in the American army today, he would be ranked as a private. He's just a regular mm-hmm. soldier. But all these other guys basically rally to him. And Pelsert notices that Hayes is, like, he is on top of stuff. He is he is just stepping up and being a leader. He's, mm-hmm. he's directing the soldiers to construct shelters. He's organizing uh, a triage for the, for the people who are hurt in the shipwreck. Mm-hmm. He's setting up... <laughs> a piece of sail. I love this one. So he sets up a piece of sail so that it provides shelter from the wind and collects uh, falling rainwater, funneling it down into a, a rain barrel so they'll nice. have drinkable water. Like, Hayes hey, is on top of stuff. And he's, he's also, like, he's also kind of going around and, you know, making sure that people's spirits aren't getting too down. He's encouraging people. He's trying to keep people upbeat. Uh, he leads the expedition for food. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not great. Uh, they find a bunch of sea lions and some birds. Mm. Uh, you can't live off of sea lion and bird. Not with that attitude. Not with that can't attitude, break. you can't. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so Pilsert has to make a decision. And he does, for the most part, make the right decision. People are starting to die of dehydration. Mm-hmm. There's only one boat. The, the the ship's longboat, basically. There's the yawl, but it's, you know, it, it's essentially a glorified rowboat. Mm-hmm. So Pelsert and his skipper, the guy who hates him, they take about 40 other officers with them in the ship's longboat, and they set sail for Batavia. Now, this is a very long journey. They know it's, it's probably going to take at least a month to get there. 
Uh, they have no drinking water. They have no food. Options for survival for them are small, but if nobody goes for help, nobody's going to survive this. Doesn't look good for these guys. No. But yeah, I understand they're, the They're logic. in a bad way. So, mm-hmm. and, and I will say this, the, the Pelsert, he makes sure that he takes uh, at least, they do recognize this, he takes at least one baby with him. Um, really? Yes. He, he takes a baby. He takes a baby because here's the thing: they get the they get the, what the is forty he or so thinking? because they get the forty or so people on the ship, and a mother mm-hmm. rushes forward with her with her baby and is like, "Please take my baby to safety," because she knows the baby's gonna die, and so Pelsert personally carries this this infant the entirety of the journey. They say that it never left the the babe never left his arms. That is really weird. I, I think it's kind of, you know, it's nice. I've spent a lot of time with babies. They're not <laughs> who you want with you on a voyage into nowhere. You know, they scream, Agreed. they cry. Agreed. They're very needy. But you also don't want to, like, leave them to slowly wither and starve to death and die of dehydration either, so... It's an interesting choice. That's all I'm saying. All right. I'm a fan of babies. I love them. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know that I would take them with me. To sea on a longboat. For at least a month, yeah. For at least a month, yeah. All okay. right. So the obvious choice of the people left behind to lead the survivors is, of course, Geronimus Cornelius, right? Right, because he's the doctor and he's going to help everybody. Because he's the doctor. And the choices actually come down between him, Viva Hayas, and the ship's minister, actually. Uh, and Cornelius uh, pulls rank. He says, look, I'm, I'm obviously the highest ranking person left. So he starts to uh, just... He, he's hatching his own little psychopath plan here. Yes, he is. And so Cornelius uh, has two, two obstacles in front of him. He has the ship's minister and he has Viba Hayas. Mm-hmm. He can't take Viba Hayas in a straight fight. He knows that because Hayas has the soldiers behind him. Cornelius has like 20 or so followers, but Hayas has the soldiers. So Cornelius right. says, hey, I outrank you. I'm going to order you to explore the nearby islands to, tr- to please go out and try and find us fresh water. And mm. by the way, we're going to need you to leave your muskets behind, okay? So we can hunt for food. Right. Now, this is okay. a brilliant plan from a psychopath. Because no matter what, uh, Hyas and his soldiers are out of his way. Uh, if, if they go out and they don't find water, then they die. If they go out and they don't find water and they try coming back, we've got their guns. If mm. they go out and they do find water, well... There probably isn't any water, so we're not going to have to worry about that. Practically foolproof. Practically foolproof plan. Great thinking, yep. Cornelius. I hate this guy so much. He is so... He's the worst. He's, he's the absolute worst person to be shipwrecked with. Yep. I, I just don't like him at all. So okay. the next thing he does is he looks at his other candidate, the, the other possible person who could challenge him for leadership, which is the minister. Mm-hmm. So... He has his men kill the minister's whole family, except for his daughter. Right. And uh, that, that intimidates the minister sufficiently. So, at this point, see, this is, this is actually an interesting bit of maritime law here. Mm-hmm. Technically speaking, 
this is not a mutiny yet. Why is it not a mutiny yet? They're because, killing people. Because. They've sent the army off. They've gotten rid of the captain. So in order for a mutiny to happen, technically, mm-hmm. you have to be rebelling against an appointed authority. The officers left without appointing anybody in charge. Oh, amateur move, Belsart. Right? Get back here and appoint someone. Belsart should have you just been You and your baby, like, get you, back you're here. <laughs> just have the baby <laughs> point at somebody. In They're in charge. Um, and so it becomes a criminal mutiny when he starts to take away the food and water from other people people and having them killed okay so the murder doesn't do it it's the no the murders away the, food the murders do do it he hasn't committed mutiny until he's until he basically declares himself in charge and in charge mm-hmm. of the charges of the ship at that point boom you've mutinied okay so they start to consolidate okay. the food and water under his his people mm-hmm. and Here's where the the reign of terror begins. So anybody who's not part of Cornelius's conspiracy is immediately his enemy. And I feel like we should point out most people are not part of Cornelius's no. conspiracy. No, not at all. Most people take one look at Cornelius and they're like, "No, I'm going to sit over here with the others." Yep. And yeah. and that turns out to be uh, the morally correct move, but the one that puts you in danger. Right. So he takes all the weapons and the food supplies and. Again, he doesn't... Basically, at this point, his followers just start killing people. Right. He calculates that he needs to reduce the population of the island to around 45 so that the supplies will last as long as possible. He's got... Oh boy. He's got about, you know, 20, 30 guys under his control. His, mm-hmm. his, his cultists there. So that leaves an awful lot of people that they just don't want anymore. So they just start killing people. At first- You know what, Greg? I actually changed my mind and I think that mother was right in sending her baby away with a bunch of guys in an open boat. Never mind. Yeah, no, it it turned out to be the right call. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So uh, basically they they try to be kind of subtle with their killings first they'll they'll lead mm-hmm. people away and then bludgeon them to death behind a rock or they'll you know uh lead somebody out to a nearby island and drown them or hack uh. them to pieces or strangle them and then they just decide to stop being subtle about it all told cornelius and his men kill anywhere between 110 to 124 men, women, and children over th- their two-month period of his uh, his reign. Ugh, that is in his super calculations horrible. of the 45 people. Mm-hmm. He sets aside seven spots for women uh, to be their yeah. sexual slaves, where Lucretia Jans, the most beautiful woman on the ship is reserved for Cornelius himself. Ugh. Yep. Now, a bunch of people figure out what's going on and try to flee. Mm-hmm. This is basically an island chain. They mm-hmm. make ra- makeshift rafts. They they sail away. A lot of these people die of dehydration. A lot of these people drown. Some of them make it to other islands. 
in which case Cornelius sends some of his people after them in large enough numbers to outnumber them and, uh, you know, kill them. Does anyone make it to the soldiers? That's what turns the tide. So let's remember Viba Hayas, our, our yes. awesome, just a regular, just a regular soldier guy. Now, his people who were sent out to die of thirst find mm-hmm. fresh water. <laughs> Yay! Now this complicates things. <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It complicates Cornelius's plan. So Hyas, a good thing. Hyas does as he was instructed, which is send up a smoke signal to let them know yes. that, hey, we found fresh water. It's safe to come over here. Everybody should come over here. And they find food. They find mm. uh, reasonable sources of food. There are They find some plants that are edible. They find uh, some small mammals that are edible. Nice. And then some people on makeshift rafts <laughs> start washing ashore. And they tell Vibahayas and his people what Cornelius is doing. Ugh. So, Hayas, again, is, is our action hero. And he immediately starts constructing a fort. Yeah, you gotta, because here's the you gotta thing. do something. He knows that Cornelius is just crazy enough mm-hmm. to try him. And he's going to. So they start stacking rocks around their, their freshwater well, basically. Mm-hmm. And they start stockpiling supplies of food, and they start ma- uh, manufacturing makeshift weapons. Now, some of these are, are kind of my favorites. Uh, they start trimming down boards and planks to make spears. They start uh, using tree roots as cudgels. And then anything else <clears throat> that they can find, uh, they start driving these 16-inch nails Uh, 16-inch carpenter nails from the Batavia wreckage into boards and planks to use as weapons. That'll do it. They pile up a large stack of heavy rocks and sharp stones to throw, and they hunker down. They send up one more smoke signal. The the smoke signal is basically a smoke signal for uh, for aid, letting people who have been uh, who are trying to flee from Cornelius. Mm-hmm. To come, come here, come, come to us. But they're not going to go back to Cornelius and like take the fight to him, right? They're no. expecting that he's going to ride over and. What try they're to doing is they're constructing. They're constructing a defensive position. Mm-hmm. They know that they've got the water. They know yeah. that Cornelius will probably run out of the water, and his people have the guns. But do they feel any kind of moral responsibility for the people who are stuck over there with Cornelius getting murdered? That's why they send up the smoke signal. They're sending it okay. up saying, come to us. Don't Either don't stay with Cornelius or don't stay on any of these other islands. We will, we will feed you, water you, and protect you. Hey, guys, we got smoke over here. Yep. Come on. Come get some. Okay. And this fort is actually pretty neat. It's built out of limestone and blocks of coral. So it's actually a very, very sturdy structure. Good thinking. And then the war begins because Cornelius, he realizes that his supplies are dwindling. Uh, The soldiers that are over there with uh, Viva Hayas are Mm -hmm. having a successful encampment, whereas his has become this rape and murder camp and and uh, they're running out of food Doesn't so like that. so Cornelius sends over 
some mutineers to attack Hayez's fort. Mm-hmm. This is uh, this is during August. Uh, so the first attempt, the attackers climb up the landing, up the slope. Uh, mm-hmm. Hayez gives them a chance to surrender and offers them water. Uh, when they keep coming, Hayez orders his men to open fire with the sharp rocks. They drive the attackers back down the hill, take several prisoners, and uh, force them to retreat. Hmm. In late August, Cornelius's mutineers make a second attempt, and again, Hayez's men drive them back. Because here's the thing, Hayez's men are relatively well-fed and not dehydrated. Yeah, they've got the fresh water. Yep. And then... That's a big advantage. And then, before the final assault, mm-hmm. uh, Cornelius himself comes out to parley. And uh, he... This dude. This he's dude. just, like, standing behind everyone. He's he like, is. Go over there and provoke yep. something. Go over there and provoke something. Oh, you got captured? Listen, you're next up. Go over there and provoke something. Uh-huh. And then when no one's left, he's like, hey, can yep. we parley? Yep. So I just don't like him at all. He comes out, and he tries to uh, he tries to convince... This is this is classic psychopath. He tries to convince mm-hmm. Vibahayas that they are the mutineers uh, because Ooh, they are resisting the lawful orders of the person in charge. Classic move. Hayas basically laughs him out of their little fort. That's what you got to do with gaslighting. So on the third one, exactly. Uh, and then in September, uh, Cornelius makes the final push. I'm sorry, how long have they been here on these uninhabited desert islands? They've been there since June? Yes, it is now Jeez. September. Okay. So uh, That's a long time to be on an island with a psychopath. Yeah, it is. So Cornelius uh, actually is involved in the third assault. And mm-hmm. this time, uh, Hayes and his people aren't messing around. They're not just driving them back. They actually take Cornelius prisoner and kill, uh, in combat, a bunch of his guys to the point mm-hmm. where there's maybe, of their starting 30 or so people, there's maybe 10 or so mutineers left. That is why you should not kill all your people, Cornelius. And they've got Cornelius uh, as a prisoner. Yep. Uh, on September 17th, uh, the mutineers regroup and attack Again, and this time, they really bring the musket fire. Uh, Mm -hmm. They've been unable to use the muskets due to weather for a number of the original assaults. (laughs) Seriously. It was raining, so of course I couldn't use my gun. Well, they can't. The the powder would get wet, and then they wouldn't use it. Um, One time, apparently, they brought the guns, but the powder got Mm -hmm. wet in the ship that they were in the boat that they were using to get across, so that didn't work. That's an amateur move. So they start shooting the fort, and okay. with them peppering the fort with musket fire, there's very little ability to sort of return fire with their with their trusty sharp rocks and you mm-hmm. know boards with nails in them. Pieces so, so uh, the 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 non mutiny soldiers are losing. the The fort is being taken when a ship appears on the horizon. Dun, da, da, da. So, and who is it? This is like the act three of the movie. This is the act three of the movie. So, Captain Pelsert mm-hmm. and Arian Jakobs made it to Jakarta. Yay! 
and nobody, including the baby, died. Everybody Amazing. survived on the longboat. Amazing. They arrive in Batavia. A bunch of them get arrested. <laughs> As you do. One of the one of the worst is Jan Everts, who was the boatswain on the night of the crash, is arrested <laughs> and executed for negligence. Oh no! Uh, however, it's very probable he was one of the co-conspirators, so we're kind of okay with it. Now, okay. Jakobsch is also arrested, but they don't know he's like the main co-conspirator, and Pelser doesn't think he's involved. Right, he's been in his cabin this whole time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he doesn't know. <laughs> so the governor general of Batavia gives Pelsert command of a ship called the Sardam to go mm -hmm. rescue the other survivors and salvage uh, what they could from the wreck of the Batavia. Because remember, the Batavia's right. got a ton of money on it. So, right, we want some of that. So Pelsert sails back to the area in which the wreck happened Mm-hmm. In, like, August... Does he take the baby? No. Okay. Smart man. But the problem is that they can't find the actual island where the shipwreck... You know, they're in the vicinity, oh, no. but they can't Pilsar, find the Oh, no! you're a ship's island. captain! And it takes Use him... Use your GPS! It takes him about a month to find the right island... That is what happens when you're below decks for too long. But he finds it just in time. Because the Sardam appears over the horizon. Yay! And Vibahayas sees the, sees the ship and qu quickly organizes a party to row out to the rescue ship to warn them of the mutiny. Good idea. Now the mutineers are doing the same thing. So they break <laughs> off the assault and they row out to the ship, right? Now, here's what winds up happening. Hayas's mm -hmm. men reach the Sardam first. The mutineers reach the Sardam. They are quickly arrested. Most of them surrender without a fight. Some of them mm -hmm. even just spontaneously start confessing to the horrors that Cornelius had them do. As you do when you've As been murdering you people for two months. Come it's on. It's true. It's true. And of course Humans they fall back. To do that. During the trials that ensue, they fall back mm -hmm. on the old I was just following orders defense. Right. Which uh, doesn't serve them well at all. Anyway. No. Okay. Cornelius is already been, you know, captured by Viva Hayes, so he's turned over, and Pelsert basically is like, all right, we're having the trial right now. <laughs> <laughs> right here on the beach. Yep. We're going to work this out. Pretty much, because here's the thing. For one thing, I don't have a ton of room on the Sardam. <laughs> I only want to take back people that I know have not been murdering people. Yeah. Right? So we're just going to take care of it here, and that's going to be that. So he organizes a trial. Uh, the worst offenders are taken off to Seal Island and executed by hanging. Ugh. Cornelius is one of those, and they chop his hands off before they hang him. Two of the other mutineers mm -hmm. uh, were considered only minor offenders, and so instead of hanging them, they maroon them on mainland Australia. Hey! No record exists of anything that may have happened to them after that, but this this is the first record of the first Europeans to have lived on, to have permanently lived on the Australian continent. I feel like they got a pretty sweet deal. Yeah, there you go. You go down in history. 
Uh, the remaining mutineers are taken in chains back to Batavia. Mm-hmm. After a couple days, because uh, Pelsert has to spend a couple days sending down divers to try to grab those giant boxes of silver uh, right. from the wreck of the Batavia. And they do manage to get 10 of the 12 boxes of silver up. So That's pretty good. Good enough, I suppose. Yeah. So after that, they head back to Batavia. Uh, five of the mutineers were on the way home, were either flogged to death, keel-hauled, or dropped from the yard arm. They murdered a lot of people, though. They did. The person who was the uh, second-in-command to Cornelius during most of this mm-hmm. is a man named Jakob Peters. And he was broken on the wheel, which is not uh, a torture that I knew a lot about before doing this. It's really horrible. It's pretty bad. So let's take a small sidebar. <laughs> Oh, do we have to? Okay. So, breaking somebody on the wheel, also known as the Catherine wheel. Uh, breaking on the wheel is you mm-hmm. bring somebody out, you tie them down spread eagle with stout posts behind their major joints, mm-hmm. and you roll an incredibly heavy wagon wheel over over them to break all of their joints on their arms and legs. And then, Mm. using their broken arms and legs, you weave them through the spokes of the wheel and um, leave them to die of exposure. Or you cut their head off at that point, whichever works for you. It is brutal, it is horrible, and the last use of it... It's very inventive. Who do you think came up with this? Who do you think was, like, put in charge of putting someone to death and they were like, okay, well, I could hang you, but... So I'm feeling creative. Possibly the Franks came up with this. No, the Franks. They're the worst. So Gregory of Tours mentions a criminal punishment of being placed mm-hmm. in a deep track and having a heavily laden wagon driven over you. Why do we as humans have so many really creative <laughs> ways and to murder each other yeah thought provoking really ways to hurt it. each other and murder each other really why i don't understand it okay the the last execution by breaking somebody on the wheel mm-hmm. was in 1841 no yep no it was in prussia that's only 180 years ago and as a mercy, they strangled the criminal to death before breaking his limbs. What did this guy do that he got put on the wheel? I believe he was a murderer. So, eh. So that's. I just can't condone it, Greg. I'm sorry. I know. No, it's Relative bad. Relative disasters did not it's stand. It's bad. Behind we don't torture. condone these. Uh, yes, and it is sometimes called Catherine's Wheel, uh, because Saint right. Catherine of Alexandria was sentenced to be executed on this for refusing to renounce her beliefs. Uh, but apparently, when she touched the wheel, it broke apart miraculously. Right. So they just settled for beheading her. Yay! Because you can't have that. I mean, if you had the choice, I would rather have my head chopped off. Than uh, it seems quicker. Wheel. Yeah. Anyway. It's less messy. All right. So back to this. Uh, Cornelius' okay. second in command is broken on the wheel. Meanwhile, Arian Jakobs never confesses his part in the mutiny. Because really all he did was kind of plan with some friends, right? He didn't really think they'd do it. He was just a logistics person. And so he was actually not executed. He probably... That's the thing about not confessing. Yeah, right? You don't get killed. It kind of leaves your... 
And this is the other thing. A lot of people confessed, but a lot Mm -hmm. of people also confessed under torture. And as we know from torture, at a certain point, this is why torture is an ineffective method of getting information, because at a certain point, people will tell you whatever you want to hear just to make the pain stop. So, you know, it is likely that Jakobsch died in prison in Batavia. A board of inquiry decided that Captain Pelsertz had exercised a lack of authority and therefore was partly responsible for the mutiny. His financial assets uh, were seized uh, by the uh, Dutch East India Company. Mm -hmm. And he actually died about a year later. So... Mm. Uh, Cornelius's defense, by the way, during his entire trial was that he was simply trying to make sure that he and his people survived. Spoken like a true psychopath. Yep, he sucked. And also, Pelsert was supposed to take on a, uh, a higher rank in the Dutch East India Company, and uh, he, needless to say, did not get that promotion. Okay, he lost his ship. Yeah, he did. A very he valuable had a ship. mutiny that he was not aware of until the very last stage. Yep. And then he just like sailed off into the sunset and left hundreds of people to die on a sandbar, essentially. I'm with the Dusty Dutch yeah. East India Company on this one. Yeah, and it's hard to be with the Dutch East India Company, but in this case... I don't like it. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> but in this case, I'm going to have to stand on their side. Yeah. Yep. He did not do a good job. He did rescue the baby. That's about and now it. here comes here comes the part that is just absolutely infuriating for me, uh-huh. and really should be familiar, infuriating for everyone else. You know who else gets put on trial? Lucretia Jans. No, I don't like this part at and all. And they allege that she was guilty of provocation, dude. In other words, pretty lady made me do bad things because she's pretty. There is no evidence of any of this, by the way. And she is put on trial. She denies the charges. And she's acquitted. Right. She's acquitted. She returns to the Netherlands in 1635. And that's that. However, it does lead to a change in the law. Uh, The maritime law in 1647 is changed to limit female passengers on the ships. Because they mm-hmm. cause disturbances, guys. Oh, boy. Remember, I only hurt you because you made me do it. There's just so much Like, to that's unpack. legal like, precedent for that. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Anyway. Where are we as a species? Feels like that. <laughs> yeah. She gets horrifically <laughs> assaulted many, 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 many times. And they're like, well, you probably made him do it. What were you wearing, Lucretia? Yeah, exactly. What were you wearing? Well, at the end, I was wearing rags. Oh, you... Harlot! So her husband actually died before she got home. Yeah. Her husband dies uh, in... She had to find another husband. Poor thing. She has to find a third husband. I don't know know if she ever did find a third husband, by the way. I I actually really feel for her. The records show that she returned to... Because she does make it to Indonesia. Yeah, she makes it she, she makes it to Batavia. And then she goes back to She goes back to Amsterdam. the Netherlands in 1635, yeah. She dies at, like, the age of 80. Uh, she dies at the age of 39. No. She lived from 1602 to 1641. Really? Yeah. That is such a bummer. It okay. is a bummer. So, yeah. That's a really unsatisfying ending. <laughs> It's such an unsatisfying ending. I mean, it's like, yeah, the bad guys get killed, but they murdered 
well over a hundred people, kept other people enslaved and abused. And, and then poor Lucretia has to go on trial. And then, Come on. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. the other thing that's weird about this story is mm -hmm. the end of the Viba Hayes story. Okay. Okay. So Viba Hayes, basically, as soon as the mutiny is, is suppressed, Pelser mm -hmm. promotes him to sergeant, like, on the spot. And yes, puts him in charge of all the soldiers. He comes back to Batavia, becomes a national hero, gets decorated and promoted to the rank of standard bearer, which is a huge nice. deal. Mm -hmm. And that's the last we hear of him. Unsatisfying. You'd think we'd have like a marriage certificate, a death certificate, an obituary, anything. That's it. He's just mm. gone from the record. And the thing about it, his little stone fort there is mm -hmm. still standing. Yep. The Viva Haya's stone fort is a, uh, it's the oldest surviving European building in Australia. <laughs> uh, it's, it's on West Wallaby Island. Right. And uh, it is still standing today. It is on the Western Australia Heritage Register. And yeah, it's, it's very cool. It was designated hmm. in 1995. Well, good job, Phoebus. That was some outstanding engineering. It was. Think about that. Yeah, he threw that fort together like overnight and it's still standing. Good job, dude. Yeah, that's that's impressive. So the final story of this is the story of what happened to the wreck of the Batavia. So Captain John Lort Stokes of the British Admiralty mm -hmm. uh, found the wreckage of a ship underwater and basically was like, oh my goodness, that's the Batavia. So they sort of marked the spot, and that was the end of it. Uh, in the when 19th, was this? When was this? This was 1840. No kidding. In 1950, it's, it's discovered that that wreck isn't the Batavia. The real wreck was found in 1963 by a lobster fisherman. Hmm. And then in 1970, they started to excavate stuff from the wreck... And in 1972, the Dutch government transferred the rights to Dutch shipwrecks mm -hmm. in Australian waters to the Australian government. So hey. the excavated, you know, remains that are that were able to be excavated of the Batavia are in the Western mm -hmm. Australian Museums um, in various locations that they have. Um, no though the majority of them are still down in the water. There's still cannons and anchors and. You know, whatever hasn't been withered away by time is still down there. And uh, it's, uh, two boxes of silver coins, Greg. We could go there this weekend. Those are actually and, uh, those those have officially gone missing. See? Yep. Those are gone. But it is one of the premier diving spots of Western Australia nowadays. So that sounds really fun. That's it. They, uh, yeah. That's the story of the wreck of the Batavia. Pirates who couldn't quite get it together and kept murdering And thank people. goodness for that. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to uh, unleash these people on the high seas. I feel like if they had gotten it together and become pirates, they would have been horrifying pirates. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They, they would have like, just they gone on and committed sailed around more and atrocities. Havoc. Yeah. Yeah. We'd be hearing of, like, you know, the atrocities of Captain, you know, Flanbeard or whatever. Ugh. Don't like this guy. Don't like him at all. Oh. Glad he's dead. Sorry. That was horrible. Thanks yep. for telling me. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, 
Although we gave you slightly exaggerated credentials at the top of the show, we do fact check our stories in an effort to give you the best disaster experience possible. Uh, shout out on this episode to our reader in the UK who suggested this for us. Yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you. This was a great topic. Um, <laughs> if you'd like to read more about our sources, a complete bibliography is available at our show notes. If we got anything wrong, please let us know. You can do that by emailing us at relative.disasters at gmail.com, or if you'd like to shame us publicly, and why wouldn't you, use our Instagram at <laughs> relative.disasters. Why wouldn't you after that episode? Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Relative Disasters. We've, we hope you've enjoyed the story and the discussion. And please join us next time for another strange, dangerous, and interesting event from history. My sister has selected our next disaster... What's it going to be, Ella? Well, I know you don't like to go too modern. <laughs> I love this so and much. And I know this doesn't fit our definition of explosions, fires, floods, earthquakes. This is absolutely a disaster. Absolutely. Next week, we're going to talk about the implosion of the Biosphere <laughs> 2 project. Yes! Place in the 90s in America. Yes. That sounds like an amazing disaster, and I can't wait to talk about it with you.